Um, this is the collect for the third Sunday in Lent, which is today. Almighty God, who seest that we have no power of ourselves to help ourselves, keep us both outwardly in our bodies and inwardly in our souls, that we may be defended from all adversities which may happen to the body and from all evil thoughts which may assault and hurt the soul. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Um, and often, if I bring a prayer in, I, I, th I think it relates somehow, or I try to do that, and it's just coincidental that that was the um, colic for today, which is one of two in Lent that I, I really um, appreciate. Uh, the other one is for the fifth Sunday in Lent. Um, and I brought in a, a verse of scripture today, and this is for the uh, title of the, the topic, which is um, John chapter 19, verse 30. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. And so the title of uh, this little talk or discussion is, it is finished how to stop worrying and start living. Um, and it used to just be called how to stop worrying and start living. And I added the, the title, it is finished, um, because that's my perspective on, on the topic of worrying and, and life after something like saving faith is understanding um, the good news of, uh, of the fact that it is finished with Jesus Christ. And remember, if you were here last week, that the distinction I made um, about the gospel is that it's good news or excellent news as, as we discussed versus good advice or even excellent advice. Um, you know, uh, and so a, t a title like how to stop worrying and start living um, could really lend itself to some excellent advice, but I'm not terribly interested in, in doing that. So if you came today with hopes of um, seven tips about anxiety, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I have one. <laughs> um, and so, you know, so what are we to do? You know, if, the, if, if we're more interested in good news than good advice, what are we to do? And uh, what I'd like to do is focus on um, the idea of freedom or liberation or uh, satisfaction um, in, in Jesus Christ. And for that reason, um, I brought in some media today. Um, can you um, pass those around? Um, I'm not going to put this on the screen. I'm just going to play the the song. Um, so I'm passing around a handout, and on the first page there are the lyrics to the song um, A Satisfied Mind, which uh, you're probably most familiar with through Johnny Cash, but it's actually originally a Porter uh, Wagner song, um, and a lot of songs that Johnny Cash sang uh, you know, were covers, you know, of people like Bob Dylan, for example. Um, or just um, old songs like this one. Um, and, you know, he's often more well known for his versions than the originals. But I thought it'd be interesting to hear the um, the original version as we read along the, the lyrics to the song. Um, and it's a little bit shorter. Jack, and we'll do a kind of an old song that we recorded a long, long time ago. I hope you remember it. 
How many times have you heard someone say, if I had his money, I could do things my way. But a little You can see why the Johnny Cash version is more popular. Uh, um, that was 1955. Um, but um, yeah, that was him. Yeah, um, singing with two other uh, fellows. Um, welcome. Uh, we, 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 if you don't mind, we went around and we introduced ourselves and said something that's on our bucket list. You know what I mean by that? Yeah, and you, but you don't need that. <clears throat> a lot of people want to go to Israel, California, Italy, Machu Picchu, um, and what Iceland, um, or somewhere with family. But you don't need to do travel if there's something on your bucket list. We were Ingram and Lois Bankston, and I have a practice in Tuscaloosa, and we're kind of here in uh, Tuscaloosa. I came from Christchurch. Okay. And Lois is a Presbyterian that's going to become a, a Episcopalian. Okay. <laughs> if all goes well here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the no, if we pass the test. <laughs> so is that on the bucket list? <laughs> I, I doubt it. I doubt it. Yeah. Um, we were looking at uh, some friends that are going to the Amazon River last night, and it looked like a 
It looked like a great place to go, a river trip for like a week down the Amazon. Yeah. That'd be interesting. <clears throat> Well, that's interesting that we all said travel, um, or most of us. Uh, uh, you know, and so the question, you know, <clears throat> that that I beg with a satisfied mind, uh, both from Porter Wagoner and um, Johnny Cash is, you know, how can we have this satisfied mind um, when often our, our minds are churning and we can get so wrapped up and... Fixated on ideas, um, and you know something on a bucket list could be one of those things. It might not necessarily be. Probably more likely are really the things that are actually more mundane, but they they keep us up at night, you know, and uh, and are sort of fleeting, um, like bills, uh, relationships, and things like that. Um, and and yet, you know, I hear a song like this, and I and I want that, you know. I really want the satisfied mind, um, especially at the the hour of death. Um, how can I have it? Um, let me tell you about something that was on my bucket list that I achieved, and the interesting phenomenon that coupled with it. Are you all familiar with the New Yorker cartoon caption contest? Um, you know, the New Yorker magazine. In the very back page, they have um, a blank cartoon, and people can submit caption ideas and within a matter of three weeks there's a submission selection process for a top three and then readers vote and the one with the most votes wins uh, it's kind of it's a little bit of a big deal you know in certain circles um, and um, it's it's really rare to win Roger Ebert uh, the film critic now deceased tried for several years before he finally won and um, he made a big stink about it and there was an episode I don't think it was actually related to the cartoon contest, but more the New Yorker cartoons. There was an episode of Seinfeld where they kind of make fun of New Yorker cartoons. That's pretty infamous. Um, uh, I won the New Yorker cartoon caption contest um, <clears throat> after submitting captions for about a year or so. I never thought in a million years that I'd even become a finalist. You and did? Yeah. Yeah. It's hanging in my office. And uh, it's so funny, you know, uh, two days later, my friend John called me, you know, to congratulate me about it. And he said, what, what do you do now? <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, golly, you know, I don't know. Um, I'll get a job at the Advent. <laughs> uh, which came shortly there on the co- coattails of the process here, you know. And it, 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 it's funny, once I achieved that, the sort of still dissatisfaction, you know, the, the things that could have been my justification the, on which I could sort of hang my laurels, you know, um, <clears throat> but, um, you know, I've sort of been there, done that, and moved on, and there are new things that keep me dissatisfied that are now on my bucket list um, that either keep me up at night or just, you know, I, as Deborah said in her sermon this morning, if you were in church or if you're going at 11, the, the visions that we have, the, the idols that we create, in our minds, and so how can we have a satisfied mind when when we're like this? Um, and I want so therefore I want to talk to you about uh, a little bit of theology um, about the uh, the doctrine. Now now bear with me because I always get nervous when I start to talk about things like the Greek or a, a, a theological category. Um, 
but and I don't do that often, and so when I do, I think that the, the thing is really super important. And I want to talk to you about justification, um, the theological concept of justification, and the sort of Protestant or um, reformational idea that we are justified by God's grace through faith. And you could add to that that faith in Jesus Christ's righteousness apart from doing good works. Um, and so it's a, a legal term. Is it, are there any lawyers in the room? No? Oh, there's one. Okay. Um, great. Thank you. Um, usually there are more in Birmingham in a, in a room. Um, but... Um, that's a it's a legal term. If you're in the courtroom of God, how can you be justified before him, basically? Are you justified, as Paul asks in the letter of Romans, um, because of the, the good life and good things that you've done? Or are you simply justified by your faith and what God has done for you in Jesus Christ? And the, the Protestant and therefore Anglican Episcopalian <coughs> answer is through faith. Um, and in order to understand that concept you really have to accept uh, and understand God's wrath, <laughs> which is heavy. You know, I, I don't want to come across, or hope I don't, as like a sort of fire and brimstone um, preacher. <clears throat> but I do believe that God is a God of wrath. If you read the Bible, it's very clear that he is, especially if you read the Old Testament. But even in the New Testament, um, you, you really have to accept that God um, has wrath and... Um, if, if, how can you therefore stand in the sight of a God of wrath if, if you're a fallen creature? If he demands perfection, um, as Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, um, be therefore perfect, as my Father in heaven is perfect. Now that's impossible. Um, and so if he requires absolute perfection according to his laws. We, one of our readings today uh, is from the Ten Commandments. You know, if we're unable to meet any minutia of that, we'll simply be annihilated in his sight because he's absolutely perfect. And so justification is a doctrine of comfort uh, with that in mind. Um, but before I move on, if you flip to the other side of the handout, I just want to read with you a quote that I've been thinking a lot about lately, and this is from H. Richard Niebuhr, uh, who's the less famous brother of Reinhold Niebuhr, who's a, a famous uh, Christian ethicist. Um, he, in the 1930s, talking about um, the sort of uh, vein of Protestantism that was popular during his time, and almost prophetic of what most Christianity would look like, Nowadays, he said, he described the Christianity, the operating Christianity that he saw in a certain vein of Protestantism as this. A God without wrath brought men in, without sin into a kingdom without judgment through the ministrations of Christ without a cross. Let me read that again. This is uh, basically um, taking a jab at a lot of uh, Christianity of his day, and we could even just say nowadays. A God without wrath brought men without sin into a kingdom without judgment through the ministrations of a Christ without a cross. Um, basically, this sort of religion would be kind of like a deistic sort of religion where Jesus is a nice teacher and his cross was just sort of an unfortunate event that happened because he taught sort of uh, avant-garde ideas that offended people so much that they killed him. Um, and, and people, therefore, aren't necessarily fallen. Um, they make bad choices sometimes, but um, 
for the most part, um, they're actually, most people are good, um, and therefore the cross is, if anything, just sort of an object lesson about Christ's sort of suffering. Now that is not, as we understand it here at the Advent, especially uh, the Christian message. It simply uh, isn't, and it's not good news. Um, that Jesus would um, just be sort of this um, uh, sort of vagabond kind of good teacher that we could sort of learn from. Um, um, but from where I sit as a human being, I really see uh, my fallenness when I look further inside of myself and when I look around me. Um, and um, I will not have a satisfied mind with this kind of uh, doctrine, therefore, um, because I need um, some help. I need a lot of help. I need absolute rescue. Um, and um, the doctrine of justification helps to explain that. And I, I brought this up last time that in the um, the back of the Book of Common Prayer, and look at those like what is that about eight or six point font? Now, if you if you look here, that's about a twelve or fourteen point font in the in the liturgy, but here in this dusty corner on page eight hundred and sixty seven uh, is the beginning of the articles of the thirty nine articles of religion, um, which are it's it's relatively brief, you know, as things go. Um, which is the closest that we have in Anglicanism historically to a confession of faith. And there happen to be um, three, uh, about, well, about a third of the way through, three uh, brief little meditations on the doctrine of justification that I'd like to sort of read with you and um, kind of break apart a little bit. Are you tracking with me here or am I losing you? Okay, good. Um, and so that is um, that next heading before um, good old Richard Niebuhr um, from the Articles of Religion. So Article 11 is of the justification of man. We are accounted righteous before God only for the merit of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ by faith and not for our own works or deservings. Wherefore, that we are justified by faith only it is a most wholesome doctrine and very full of comfort and more largely is expressed in the homily of justification. And I'll just deal with that right away. There's this historic book of homilies or sermons that were written up that sort of actually further explain each of these more pithy statements. Um, uh, and so that's what that reference is. Um, but uh, you can ignore that from here on out. What I really want to get at is the, the idea that we are accounted righteous before God and standing in his courts. You can think of him sitting on his kingly throne. Did you ever watch the, um, the, the terrible show, The Tudors? You know how the king has the court and he's sitting and people come in. Now you can think of God like that when you think of the, the doctrine of uh, justification. How can you come into that room and be righteous before him on your own. Well, you can't. You can only do it by the merits of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, um, and faith in his uh, sinlessness accounted to us and not by our own works or this sort of, it almost seems redundant, or, or, or deservings. <laughs> we don't deserve it on our own. Um, and therefore that we are justified in his court uh, by faith in Jesus Christ. It's actually a very wholesome doctrine that's full of comfort. That should be comforting. That when he sees you, he sees 
Jesus Christ. Uh, when the Father sees you, He sees Him who lived a, um, a you know, a life that you didn't live was is given to you. Um, praise be to God for that. Um, and therefore, it is it has been finished for two thousand stinking years. Um, and so there you go. That's the sort of core of justification uh, by faith. And now there's there's sort of questions that come with this that the articles therefore go on to anticipate and address and they anticipate these rightly because people were asking these questions a lot um, um, for a long time and especially during that time so well what about good works then you know well what about them you know and so if i can stand in his court and all he sees is jesus no matter how bad i am just as paul asked you know should i just go on sinning you know should i just go on uh, being an angry, greedy, um, um, selfish person. And so the articles tell it, albeit that good works, uh, which are the fruits of faith and follow after justification, cannot put away our sins and endure the severity of God's judgment, yet are they pleasing and acceptable to God in Christ and do spring out necessarily of a true and lively faith insomuch that by them a lively faith may be as evidently known as a tree discerned by the fruit. And so what this is saying is if a person truly has a true and lively, I love that phrase, faith, a faith that is real and alive, um, good works will, will spring out of that. If, if it's alive, it will bear fruit. Uh, this is difficult, though, because when you look at a Christian through your own eyes, you might not you might not see that. <laughs> it, you know, thank God, because if you look at me, sometimes you would think, well, he's not really bearing much fruit today. <laughs> um, and so this doctrine doesn't allow us to be um, fruit discerners of other people, because you don't really know where someone started from, actually, and, and where they're headed. Um, it's a it's a very difficult thing to discern, and really, it's only <clears throat> it's only uh, up up to God to discern. Um, but um, you can think about um, the the Ten Commandments, though. Really, bearing fruit would be wrestling not so much about you know um, um, smoking and drinking and running with girls, you know, which are the cliche kind of old timey like worldly sort of concerns, um, you know, dancing, <laughs> um, chewing and stuff like that. You know, the good fruits wouldn't necessarily do deal with that as much as they're, they're dealing with the, the things that are at the core. Like I said, it, the, the good fruits are, are, are Christian wrestling with the existential ideas of, of the stuff that's listed in the Ten Commandments, that God is our soul God and we should not have any idols before him. Um, that uh, we shouldn't commit murder. You could tack on to that being angry or uh, lust. You know, think of the um, the commandment against adultery. Uh, someone bearing fruit would be wrestling with that and convicted with guilt um, and a, a sense of need for repentance and absolute forgiveness. And by the way, over and over again until uh, their deathbed. Um, and so. Um, Anyway, that, that's about the works after saving faith being a fruit of the Spirit. What about works before justification? You know, before someone comes to have faith in Christ alone. And so that's Article 13 
asking that question because there was a time in my life, you know, of course, where I was not a Christian. Um, I was a professed atheist at points in my life. Um, but you know what? I did really altruistic things. I, I did good things. You know, I planted trees. <laughs> I, um, I, I tried to be nice to people. Um, uh, and, and I see that with other people of other religions. Sometimes, frankly, there are people who are not Christians that I find to be more pleasant to be around than, than other Christians. And so, well, what about that? You know, I mean, they're, they're being good and nice um, and, and, and don't have that faith in Jesus Christ. So what about works before justification? And here it says, works done before the grace of Christ and the inspiration of the Spirit are not pleasant uh, to God. For as much as they spring not of faith in Jesus Christ, neither do they make men meet to receive grace, or as the school authors, that's medieval theologians, say, deserve grace of congruity. Yea, rather, for that they are not done as God hath willed and commanded them to be done. We doubt not, but they have the nature of sin. And so this meaning that even before my justification, uh, if if a if a person is thoroughly fallen, even their good works are tainted by sin, um, and um, and uh, you know there there and all, and I see this even in myself after justification, if it exists, that sometimes I do nice things for selfish reasons, you know. I mean, so it's that those fruits are definitely difficult to discern, and um, so even if you're the the most thoroughly nicest upright person who's ever lived in all of humanity you can't stand before god without the merits of jesus christ who is the only um, man who lived a sinless life and that's been thanks be to god accounted to you and that's the idea of uh, justification Last week, um, we had a, a, a preacher here uh, who's a, also a musician, but he's also a pastor, uh, and I did an event with him Thursday night. Uh, his name is Kevin Twitt, um, and he, he, he likes to look at old hymns and, and retune them to more modern arrangements, and there's one that he loves that's called <clears throat> The Love That Will Not Let Me Go by a man named George Matheson. And um, in describing that hymn, um, he said this about justification that I thought was really interesting. If you don't understand justification by faith, it makes every trial in your life, every trial in your life, a double trial. Because not uh, not only are you enduring the trial, you're having to wonder if God hates me. But if Jesus died in your place, you know that his wrath has been fully poured out on his son. And so when people ask me as a pastor, you know, is, is, am I sick right now because God is punishing me? Now, I can say with confidence to that person, no, because he's already fully poured out his wrath on his son. He has no need to continue to pour out wrath on you if you are justified in his sight by the sake of Jesus Christ. It's just that you live in still a fallen and broken world, and bad things happen, and people get sick and die. We're in this sort of liminal already but not yet, you know. That makes it really difficult to wrap our minds around um, something like justification. But the thing that Kevin tells us is even this uh, doctrine of justification can be helpful on, on the sort of 
everyday in everyday life when you're worrying or have anxiety about anything um, it, it, let it just be a trial on his own he's basically saying um, you don't need to worry about whether God is doing this to to punish you um, uh, because he's already fully poured out his wrath on his son and I'll add to that that one question that people raise is this therefore sort of like a divine child abuse that God the father would punish his son on our behalf and that is a misunderstanding of God because you have to understand that God the father God the son and God the Holy Spirit are the same it's a misunderstanding of God to think that God the father abuses his son as a separate person they're one God. So God has fully, he's realized that people can't do this on their own. And so the wrath that he has has been fully poured out on himself. Um, and that is basically, in a nutshell, with the time we have, to the extent that I can, give you the doctrine of justification and say, it is finished. <clears throat> and if you want to know about how to stop worrying and start living, well, that's the best, that's the best I can do. That is the best I can do, you know, and I'll, and I'll just add to that, you know, repentance and prayer, <laughs> prayer of, of begging for, for, for help. Um, and I, I, I put on the document, I won't read it, uh, just so you can see that this isn't just um, um, a confessional thing or something that I'm talking about, it, but it's in Scripture. And, um, and Paul Roman, in Romans um, wrestles with justification a lot. And so there's a passage from Romans 3 there um, to take with you. And um, I'll read again, though, the prayer that I started with, and that is the prayer for today. Almighty God, who seest that we have no power of ourselves to help ourselves, keep us both outwardly in our bodies and inwardly in our souls, that we may be defended from all adversities which may happen to the body, and from all evil thoughts which may assault and hurt the soul, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Um, so I've got about a couple minutes before I need to go get um, robed up again for the next service. Does anybody have any thoughts on all that's been said? Oh, thank you. <laughs> Um, so, you know, think about all of this from, from now on for the rest of your life. Every time you hear Johnny Cash sing, <laughs> a satisfied mind, um, and all the worldly concerns that are addressed in that song, um, and, uh, you know, the, the beauty of saying something like money can't buy back your, uh, youth when you're old or a friend. When you're lonely or a love that's grown cold. And this one is great. The wealthiest person is, you know, the person who's got everything on their bucket list is a pauper at times compared to the man with a satisfied mind. I'd rather be someone who, who, who's allowed the doctrine of justification to penetrate my soul at the deepest depths than to be a rich man is uh, one way uh, to put it. And and at least now I know and I hope that it stays with me that when I'm dying, I can die with a satisfied mind. It'll be okay, you know. I'll be ready for that because um, when I go into his courts, uh, he won't see me and all the naughty things that I've done or thought about or my, my heart was inclined toward. 
but he sees the sinless uh, merits of Jesus Christ instead. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord.